Our sermon passage today is from Matthew 13. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. The word of the Lord. Amen. You guys may be seated. As you take your seats, let's pray together. Our great God, we recognize this morning that you're our creator that you're the one who has made us, that our life is wholly dependent upon you. 
And so we praise you for your creation and for your power and for your work. Also, Lord, we recognize that we are able to call you Lord and call you Savior because you have purchased us through the blood of your Son, Jesus. And so this morning, we thank you for your redeeming power. We thank you that your redeeming love was set on us, recognizing that we did not and do not deserve it. And Lord, this day, we want to walk in your ways. We want to walk in your truth. We want to know you and know your power. So Lord, our plea this morning is that you would speak to your people through your word. Our plea this morning is that you would help us to understand your ways in the world, that you would help us to know your son, and that you would cause us to trust and hope in him. Lord, I'm praying that we would all leave here today with more longing for eternity, more longing for that day when all wrongs will be made right. And all of your enemies will be vanquished. And Lord, I'm praying that we would all leave here today with a greater love for you and a greater value of the gift of our salvation in Christ. Now, Lord, I can't accomplish any of these things. And there are no words that I can speak to do that. So we are praying that your spirit would work in power through the scripture. Please work, O oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, it's so good to see you all this morning. Um, I never fail to be amazed at the magic act of what this room looks like at 8.55. And then what it looks like at 9.40 when I get up here. It's like, oh, people everywhere. If you haven't done so, please take your Bible and turn to... The book of Matthew, chapter 13. So we're working our way through the book of Matthew here at Redeemer. And we're in this section where Jesus is sitting in a boat off a seashore, teaching about his work through parables. Um, so those are the, that's our scene. Jesus is sitting in a boat off a seashore, teaching about his work through parables. And the purpose of these parables is for Jesus to reveal to his followers what his work is and what he is going to do. So in these parables, Jesus is revealing who he is, what his work is, and what are his plans. And, and who he is, what his work is, and what are his plans is kind of a way to define that there's a summary term for this that he's using called the kingdom of heaven. So when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about what I came to do, what God sent me to do, what I'm going to accomplish. And so in parable after parable after parable, Jesus is revealing the kingdom to his followers. And so what Jesus would be doing for us is similar. He is revealing who he is and how he is working such that we can follow 
him. Now, when these parables were delivered, they very much cut against the expectations of the day for the Savior. They very much were antithetical to what was expected of the Savior. I don't think we have to say that everything Jesus says here is antithetical to our expectation as much as we have to say this. May what Jesus say about the kingdom redefine and reshape how we think about the kingdom. May what Jesus says about the kingdom reshape our hearts so that we long for who he really is and what he's really going to do. That's my prayer for us as we wade through this. So that's the point. Jesus is using parables to teach his people about the kingdom. So the first point, if you're taking notes this morning, is talking in parables. And if you're an astute listener, you will also know that that was the name of last week's sermon. If you're not so astute, I'll connect that for you. That was the name of last week's sermon. And what's happening in chapter 13 of Matthew is is we're told that Jesus went out by the sea, and so many people gathered around him that he got in a boat, went away from the seashore, and began to teach them. And he taught them in parables. Parables are simply stories and illustrations that use commonplace realities like farming to make a spiritual point, in this case, about the kingdom. Um, So those of you that like spreadsheets and bullet points and fine, nuanced detail, these are not for you. But those of you who love poetry and love songwriting and love illusion, Jesus is calling out to you, hear me speak about the kingdom. And all those very spreadsheet guys, he wants you to learn about the kingdom too. But he's doing so through these stories. And numerous times he's been asked, why are you speaking in parables. And so look at verse 34. Look at verse 34. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. And now we have a quote from Psalm 78. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. So so let's just use this quote from Psalm 78 verse 2 to let us see what's going on here. Jesus says, I'm going to teach in these these stories. I'm going to teach in parables. But here's the thing. The truths that I'm conveying, the, the, the realities that I'm letting you into about the kingdom of God... There are things that have been hidden from the foundation of the world that the world has longed to know. What's that? Who is the Savior? Who is the Redeemer? Who is the one that will bring to bear all of God's work and promises and fulfill all of his promises and make it all complete? I'm revealing that to you through these parables. These parables are gifts Not gifts so that we can have better insight, but gifts to let us know God's Son and God's work and God's purposes. He he goes further. Look at verse 51. After some more parables, he says, 
Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. He said to them, therefore, every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven, that is, understood these things I'm teaching, is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And so Jesus is saying, in these parables, I'm revealing to you what prophets and generations of old have longed to know. How will God's plan unfold? We know through Christ and through his teaching about the kingdom so much more than the faithful ones before him knew. And we're called to walk in his ways. We're called to follow him. We're called to love what he loves. We're called to go where he goes. And we're called to want what he has promised that he will do. So as we dive into these parables, let's know this. These parables are intended to teach us about the kingdom. For those who have ears to hear, they are to give us the ways of the Savior. And second, these parables of the kingdom all revolve around Jesus. So they're saying to us that Jesus is the completion of all that God has promised. Jesus revealed is the bright, shining light of the work of God. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the savior. The work of God comes to bear in the world through Jesus. And God's timing will be about revealing Jesus. Third, the disciples of Jesus with the truths of the parables have more clarity about the purpose of God than even the prophets of old. Have more clarity about the purpose of God and the work of God than even the faithful saints who lived before Christ. Verse 17 from last week, Jesus said, For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see, and to hear what you hear and did not hear. Jesus is letting us in onto the secrets of the kingdom and the secrets of the work of God and to the secrets of what to anticipate as God completes his work on this world and establishes the kingdom that lasts forever where only his people will worship him forever. The parables are a gift to us. So let's learn from them. Let's learn from them. The parables we have in today's passage, we have the weeds, the mustard seed, the leaven, the hidden treasure, the pearl of great value, and the net. These six parables give us truth about Christ, Christ's work, and God's purposes through Christ and what God will do. And we can kind of take these six parables and boil them down to two realities. There's first the parables on the end of the age, and then there's the parables on the kingdom of great 
value. So our second point this morning is end of the age. End of the age. Um, we, we, we see this in, in two parables. The parable of the weeds or the parable of the field and the parable of the net. So the parable of the weeds is in verses 24 through 30 and then explained in verses 36 through 43. The parable of the net makes very similar points in verses 47 through 49. Ultimately, this is what's being conveyed in these two parables. Then we'll look at them. The kingdom is entered now through our response to Jesus. The kingdom is growing now. But the full harvest of the kingdom, that day when the the wheat is separated from the weeds, that day when the good fish are separated from the bad fish, will not come until the end of the age. So the truth that Jesus is teaching in these parables is that the separation of my people from not my people will not fully come until the end of the age. And you may say, well, why is that such an important point? We know that. I'm glad we do, but that's not the case here. The expectation in the day was for a savior, a Messiah to come and, and, and become king over Israel and establish the, the physical kingdom of Israel and root out all enemies physically so that all that was left was God's people. And Jesus says, you might not be completely wrong in your expectation. It's not just going to be Israel. It's going to be every tribe, nation, language, and tongue, but there will come a day when I will separate my people from not my people, and only my people will dwell in my house forever, but that day's not now, it's at the end of the age, which means what we're going to have from the time Jesus gave this parable to the end of the age is a world, the field is the world, not the church, a world filled with people and not my people. A world filled with wheat and weeds. And the purpose is to faithfully harvest all the wheat. To faithfully root out all the weeds in such a way that no wheat is harmed. So if we could put a a very um, progressive American label on the kingdom of God, Jesus is going to say, when I harvest my field, no wheat will be harmed in the rooting out of the weeds. But I'll do this in my time, on my timetable, and the event that we're waiting for is the end of the age. So let's look at the two parables. First, the parable of the weeds. It's in verses 24 through 30. And then explained in verses 36 through 43. So the parable goes like this. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. In the explanation, Jesus says, I'm the man. I'm the one who sows the good seed in the field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat 
and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. So you have a field with baby weeds and baby wheat. Scholars of the day tell us, I know nothing about um, 2,000-year-old Jewish farming or Middle Eastern farming, but, but the scholars tell us that the weed that's being referred to here in the early phases looks almost identical to the wheat. So if you walked into the field, it would be hard to discern what is wheat and what is weed. Am I being clear? I'm a, I know I'm a redneck. Wheat. Weed. Okay? All right. Not only were they hard to discern, but the wheat was parasitic in such a way that its root system would intertwine itself with the root system of the wheat. So even if you could tell wheat from weed, in pulling the weed, you might also uproot lots of wheat, okay? So forgetting the kingdom and forgetting spiritual realities for a minute, just a good farming practice would be let them grow. Let them grow up because when they're fully matured on the day of harvest, you'll be able to tell wheat from weed. And since they're fully matured, if you uproot the wheat, it doesn't matter. You're picking it anyway, and it'll be easy to separate wheat from wheat. So Jesus basically says, so is the kingdom. We're not going to try to fix it now, but we're going to let it grow to full. And on the harvest day, then we will gather And once we've gathered, we will separate the wheat from the weeds. And we will take all of the weeds and bind them in bundles to be burned. And all of the wheat we will take into the barn. Now this is how Jesus interprets this. Speaking of the gathering, this is in verse 40. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. So the gathering is when, according to Jesus? At the end of the age. The harvest day is the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. So rebels against God... Those who are causing sin to thrive will ultimately be rooted out. They'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So to the first hearers of this parable, to those with the expectation of a Jewish Messiah It first heard this parable. What Jesus was conveying was the separation happens later. I'm here now declaring that the kingdom is now. Declaring that the only way into the kingdom is through me, Jesus. But I'm also here declaring that the separation will happen later. 
It'll happen at the end of the age. It'll happen at the end of time. That's the nail that's being driven home here. Likewise, the parable of the net, verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. So don't think the little net that's circular and kind of comes down to a cone and you're blindly like, think like a long net that spans a long width and people on both sides would pull it and in pulling the net, it's bringing everything up to the surface. Good fish, bad fish. It's starting to sound like a Dr. Seuss book, but um, good fish, bad fish, dead fish, alive fish. eater and food, it's just going to pull it all up to the shore. And then what the fishermen are going to do, and this was common fishing practice, they all know it, they're going to lay down the net and they're going to go through and they're going to say, good to be harvested, bad to be thrown away. Good to be harvested, bad to be thrown away. And they're going to do that again and again and again. And so notice what Jesus says, when is the net coming in? Verse 49, so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, what's being conveyed in these two parables? First, there is a dividing line and Jesus is the dividing line. Those who know him, who have trusted in him, who by faith are one with him, they will belong to the kingdom. They, because of him, will be called righteous, and they will become his, they will be his forever from the end of the age into forever. Second, Jesus is not separating fully the weed from the wheat, or the bad fish from the good fish until the end of the age. This world will be filled with seed and weed. This world will be filled with good fish and bad fish. And the wheat and the seed and the good fish are those who belong to Christ. And in the world they navigate And in the world, they grow. And in the world, they bear fruit. But the world will not be completely righted until the end of the age. So our expectation, our hope, our praying is for the end of the age. Third, I believe this parable conveys hope for Weeds, or at least hope for apparent weeds. Remember, Jesus said, we're not going to sort this thing out now because we won't know what we're sorting. We're going to wait till it's grown in full. Rebellion against God, that's weed. I'm not talking about marijuana, if you're listening online. I just want to make that clear. But I might be. But that's not the point. Rebellion against God, 
Jesus is metaphorically saying, that's a weed. Rejecting the Son of Man, that's a weed. Standing against God's purposes, that's a weed. Wanting my way over God's way, that's a weed. Finding my pleasure in sin and rebellion rather than pleasure in God, that's a weed. Guess what, friends? The Bible says we all were once weeds. Every single one of us. But by God's grace, we've been changed. By God's grace, we've been made new. By God's grace, the fruit of our lives is different. It's wheat. It's fruitful. It's what the sower longed for when he sowed the seed. And so this plan of God to not completely sort out the the wheat from the weed until the end of the age gives hope for weeds and gives purpose for mission and gives purpose for evangelism. So listen very carefully. If you're here today, And you know you're not a follower of Jesus. Jesus is saying in these passages, that means you're metaphorically a weed. And there will be a day when the weeds are cast out. But I want you to hear me say something very clearly this morning. That doesn't have to be you forevermore. It doesn't. Turn away from that rebellion. Turn away. Turn away from turning away from God, which would mean to turn back to him. Repent of your sin. Believe that Jesus is the Savior and run to him. And he says he'll change who you are. You'll be in the same field, but you'll be a different substance. And the end of the age doesn't have to be fearful, but it can be of great joy to you. What about those in our families? Those in our neighborhoods? Those in our schools? Those in our workplaces who are far from the Lord? There's a warning for them here. The wheat will be bound up and be, excuse me, the weeds will be bound up and be burned. This is not a reality that the people of God delight in. We can believe that something's true. We can accept its truthfulness without joyfully celebrating it. What's to be celebrated is that God's people are his forevermore. The correlating truth is, and those who are not God's people will not be his forevermore. And this should motivate us to prayer. It should motivate us to mission. It should motivate us to share the truth of the Savior. Because in these parables, Jesus is saying that at the end of the age is when the separation will happen. And once the separation happens, it's fixed for eternity. But as long as the the final harvest has not happened, then we have work 
We have mission. We have hope. Our third point today is kingdom of great value. Which now, based upon time, has become the title of next week's sermon. I contend that I was late getting up here. And if you don't believe that, then I guess you're on Team Dan. (laughs) Our Father and our God, we trust that in your providence these words are needed. We trust that these words are good and that these words give life. So now we're praying that you, O oh God, would work mightily and powerfully in this room. Whatever work needs to be done this day, O oh God, would you do it? Would you convict? Would you draw close? Would you give faith? Would you bear fruit? We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.